Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas. Got a lot of stuff here to talk about here on Leaving the Ring. But you know what? First up, uh, we got a guest that's coming on right now that had a great sensational... I mean, he was dominant on Saturday night. And I think he stole the show there, Amir. Uh, Amir, I don't, I don't know bro, what you bro, think. It, you know, they said it was a slow day of boxing, a uh, slow weekend of boxing. It definitely wasn't. If you're a fight fan... Anytime there's boxing on on a Saturday, it's a big day. And uh, it was a big fucking day for for Raiz Salim. I'll tell you that much. Oh, I was very impressed. Big time. Yeah, See, you know what? We got- me up, bro. I'm not supposed to be a fan, but I'm a fan of this dude. You're being a fanboy. That's what you're trying to do today? Is that what you're trying to do here on Leaving a Ring? <laughs> I can't help it, man. Oh, you know what, man? Uh, Rasim... Alim the Beast, which, dude, uh, the nickname, it, it, it fits. So let's bring him on right here, right now here, uh, Milgar. Let's give him a proper introduction, though. Let's go. He is the winner by way of technical knockout. He is still undefeated. He is now the interim WBA Super Bantamweight World Champion. <laughs> What a sensational win. First off, um, The Beast. Brother, thanks for coming on, man, and joining us here on Leader Ring. It's a pleasure to have you on, especially with that spectacular win you had over on Saturday night on Showtime. I mean, again, I'll say, I don't know how, how much more I can overstate the fact that I thought you stole the show. I mean, it was just, the, your performance was just, there's no way of describing it, but it was almost in perfection, the way you did everything. Uh, yeah. Tell us what. Tell us your feeling, man. I'm, I, you got the smile and everything, so you know that that you did something spectacular, man. So give us your give us your thoughts about the aftermath of the uh, performance you gave on Saturday. Well, no, uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, a lot of people said that I stole the show. You know, I was the best, best fighter. Uh, every time I fought on Showtime, that, that's all that I hear from people. Uh, they're telling me I'm the best fighter in the division. I'm just trying to prove that. Uh, you know, but the fight, you know, I fought an extremely. Uh, well-prepared fighter, a southpaw, strong right. fighter. Uh, you know, I haven't watched the fight, but everybody's telling me I'm dominating, you know, uh, just in the moment. You know, in the moment, I was just zero, zeroed in, focused, and uh, I just wanted to stop him. I'm going to get. I'm gonna let Amir Car go first with the question because I know Amir's been, like, jumping up and down, man. He's like, I think he ran, like, around the block twice and all that before we got on air. So let me, no, let me pass the mic over to my boy here. Amir Car, go ahead, man. Ask your questions. It was a great win, but, but let's just get this out of the way. Wolverine or Spartan? Wolverine. <laughs> Whoa. There we go. <laughs> Big Ten all day, baby. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, first, let, let's talk about your background, man, because I actually threw up a, a, a stream earlier on my YouTube channel where I was, like, showing some karate, and then I was showing your boxing. And they mentioned it during the during the fight, and I had read about it earlier. Uh, there's also a great documentary on you that I recommend everybody watch. 
uh, out there where they go through your training with Bones Adams and everything. I'll post a link to it later. But could you talk about, like, how you got into combat sports and then how you made the transition from karate to boxing? Well, I've been athletically on my feet since I was three. Uh, I was in the karate gym. Karate used to be hella fun, you know, going to different tournaments, competing, doing katas, breaking boards, breaking bricks. You know, it teaches you how to be humble, you know, not to get the big head. Uh, but karate, you know, I love karate. And, uh, you know, I played other sports, football, track, a little bit of basketball. And uh, after I got my black belt in karate, it was kind of like, what are we going to do next? You know, I'm an athlete. What's up? So we went to the boxing gym. Mm. And uh, one of the kids at the time, he had a bunch of amateur fights. He was like the best kid at the gym of the younger kids, you know, and I'm new. And, uh, you know, so the coach just threw me in there for us to spar and I beat him up, you know. So then uh, that's how I met my original trainer, uh, Terry Markowski. And uh, he taught me the basics and just kind of ran with that. All right, that's what's up. So, around what age was that, that, that transition from karate to, to boxing? So uh, I started boxing when I was 14. I got my black belt when I was like uh, 12, turning 13. Uh, then, then I started boxing pretty much right afterwards. Got it. So going into this fight, you know, I, honestly, I, I thought you were going to win, but I have still have a lot of respect for Vic Pacias, and I don't want to downgrade him because even though you totally dominated him and knocked him out, this is a high-quality boxer. Uh, yeah. Professional, great amateur background, has wins at the amateurs over top talent. So it, it probably wasn't surprising to you, but... Can you just describe like what what you were thinking going into the fight? Like what what did what kind of a statement did you want to make, and and where do you want to go after this fight? Well, uh, go, going into the fight, uh, you know, I, I was telling myself I not only want to win, I want to perform. You know, I'm a competitor, I'm an entertainer. You know, so I I didn't want to win a three two split or you know just barely won, but the, but the fans are talking like oh maybe he didn't. You know, I wanted it to be a clear victory. But like you said, you know, he has a huge, uh, he comes from a huge amateur pedigree. Uh, I think somebody said he had like 25 national championships, uh, you know, spar rate, real good fighters, everything. He's a uh, extremely well accomplished amateur and pro, you know, he fights anybody else in the division. He probably wins. He, he probably knocks them out. But, uh, you know, I, I just believed in myself. I implemented three days into my workout regimen. I knew I was going to be uh, taking things to another level. So that's that's why I did that. And I feel like I just executed perfectly. You know, that performance that you did on Saturday against Victor, man, was, again, you know, we can't overstate how much you looked like you were so dominant in that fight. But now that, you know, it's Monday and things have kind of settled, the smoke is kind of cleared, have, your, have you and, and your trainers or your handlers, have you guys talked about how scary that performance was and what i mean by that like like do you think you guys were were over so over dominant that it may scare off a lot of the other guys in the division and wanting to step in with you uh you know i i haven't thought about that you know I, i've just been uh looking ahead you know i've been looking at the uh current world champions uh mainly akmadalia uh you know he hasn't defended his belts and he has two of them you know my eyes is like kind of locked on him right now like I want those belts. I I think he has the perfect style for for us to have an entertaining fight. I definitely think I win that fight, 
uh, Lewis Neary. You know, he's another southpaw. Uh, right. I think that'd be a great fight. I, I believe I beat him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I stopped him. Uh, you know, and then uh, Stefan Fulton. You know, he, he he just won his belt, put on a phenomenal performance against Angelo Leo, beat him at his own game, which was a great game plan because I assumed he was going to come out and box. You know, so right. uh, I'm ahead. You know, uh, I'm. I'm the mandatory now. Uh, and nobody's going to be able to run. I've had a lot of fighters ducking and dodging me over the years. But now, hey, I just, uh, you know, just won my my belt. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for the other ones now. That's it. You know, looking back at Fulton, because I know you obviously you watched it, and like you said, you, the, 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 the game plan that he used was obviously different than we all kind of anticipated how he was going to come out against Leo. Um, but I was talking to a few, uh, you know, of another uh, boxing aficionados, and, uh, you know, that covered the sport, and we all were saying the same. I mean, no matter what Fulton did, it looked like he could have won inside or outside because Leo didn't look like he really had a, a plan to execute of of Fulton fighting on the outside, right? But I mean, he was puzzled when when Fulton came forward. But going back on that, we, I got to tell you, I know we're gonna sound like a bunch of fanboys, uh, but bro, I, I was asking these other guys that that watch and cover the sport. I was like, dude, you get a feeling that Aleem can just definitely just dismantle Fulton right now, the way he looked on Saturday night. I mean, I'm not taking any credit away from Fulton, but I mean. Point out to me what you see in there that that you would take advantage that Leo obviously wouldn't wasn't able to do at all. Well, uh, first and foremost, I mean, if, if somebody is going uh, forehead to forehead with you for twelve full rounds and you're not able to stagger them, you're not able to drop them. Right. That's a problem. You get to the elite level, you know, doing that, you know, coming up is one thing, but at the elite level, you have to be able to stop the elite guys. You know, so, uh, I, you know, Fulton gets hit a little bit too much. You know, if I'm able to touch him that much, I I got to be able to put him down. I got to. Right. Uh, you know, and, and besides that, uh, being unconventional, you know, jabbing from a different angle or throwing a punch from a different angle, you know, I think that would uh, kind of go in my favor. You know, Fulton's a great boxer, great fighter. He's pretty sharp. But, uh, but I think I uh, would definitely be able to overwhelm him. God, that'd be such Speaking a great fight. Power, uh, you know, the first knockdown was a right, and it caught him. He he didn't see it coming, and it just floored him. The second one, you kind of switched to southpaw and then threw a backhand left. Can you just describe your ability to switch hit, and which side are you more powerful from? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm naturally a southpaw, but, uh, you know, I've, I've always fought uh, orthodox. Uh, I can switch uh, left-handed. I'm a lot stronger in the southpaw position. Uh, you know, I'm more fluid uh, when I'm orthodox. You know, my boxing ability to do this, this, and that is like a hundred. But uh, from the southpaw position, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm extremely strong. Yeah, I mean that second knockdown came from the southpaw stance. You look totally natural throwing that punch. So we got a question here from one of the listeners. He's asking, as a fighter, uh, this is Esso Akune, by the way. He's asking, as a fighter, do you think a lot of ducking goes on in boxing? And do you take it as respect if you feel a fighter ducks you? Unfortunately, yeah, I, I do feel like there is a lot of uh, ducking in boxing. But, you know, with everything going on in the world right now with COVID and stuff, we really need to give the fans what they want. You know, the best fights should be being made. Fights that people think are like 
years out. Those type of fights should be made really for the fans and for the sport of boxing. Uh, you know, I don't feel di- I don't feel no type of way uh, when I get ducked unless it's by a world champion because you know I want that belt. Anybody else? It is what it is. You know, they're just a name. I'm trying to cross off the list anyway. Right. So having said that, you're looking at Akhmadaliev as as the next guy you want up online. Yeah, Akhmadaliev, uh, mainly because he has he has two of the belts. He has a super belt. He hasn't defended his titles yet. I beat him. I'm not, we fight. I'm beating him. I have to. Uh, and then you know Lewis Neary. You know I think he was supposed to fight Figueroa. I'm not sure if that fight's going down. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Any current world champion, I'm ready. We got a, a uh, another listener, Daniel T. That says impressive performance, destroying Pasillas like that. I picked against you and ate mad crow. I think a lot of people uh, might have been eating a lot of crow. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who believe in me. There's probably more who don't, but uh, at the end of the day, I believe in me. You know, so that's that's how I got to this moment right right now, and uh, that's how I'm gonna keep going forward. It's just by leave, believing in myself. Now, you were originally, or am I wrong about this? You were originally signed with uh, Cameron Duncan, right? In the beginning of your mm-hmm. career? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I guess timing is everything, right? Because I, I remember when he had you and then, like, nothing came about it, you know? How do you feel now? Like, did you feel like at that time they were shelving you for a bit and, you know, like, timing's everything, but at the same time you were itching to get out there? Well, you know, I, I feel like, honestly, I, I feel like he just didn't really believe in me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, got me some fights and stuff and I won and I had some stoppages and everything. But for whatever reason, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, he had a, a fighter named Ed Brown. He got Ed Brown fights, fight after fight after fight after fight in a short period of time. And I'm itching to get back in the ring. I'm killing myself in the gym and nothing's going on. Uh, so, you know, uh, one thing led to another. I just asked him to release me. You know, he agreed. We went our separate ways. And that was probably the best thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah, that makes I mean, a lot of sense. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, McCall. What are you going to say? If you look at your, your record and the way you were brought up, to me, it's not commensurate with like your level of skill and your talent. Because it, it, what you said just makes a lot of sense. There, there are a lot of guys on, on your list, especially early on, uh, that a guy like you would obviously be destroying. And I'm sure you wanted to challenge yourself a lot more and a lot more often um, at that time, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, we we try fighting undefeated fighters, you know, guys with still a winning record or whatever. You know, there there were guys out there that just things just weren't happening. And I wasn't sure why, you know, and I try to make a phone call. Nobody's picking up. I try to send a text. Nobody's responding. What is that? That's not doing nothing for me, but hurting me in my career. Was that, do you think that that Saturday night over Victor, was that also like a statement of the frustration of you not getting your shot at that time? Because it almost seems like now you have to have, you know, uh, a bit of a rush because of age, you know, that, you know what I mean? You get that sense that, that it, it's now or never. It, it, when, with that performance that I saw, it was almost like it's now or never because if I don't win this in a great fashion, I'm not going to get this opportunity again. Did you have that feeling? Uh, not really. You know, that, that didn't really go through my mind. It was just more of uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, I have a lot of experience. I've been grinding 
for an extremely long time. And most of that time, I didn't know the outcome. I didn't know if I'd ever fight again, but I stayed in the gym, you know, and this was just an opportunity to, uh, to, to prove that to everybody. Uh, it, it, I was just so focused on uh, performing and winning that at, in that moment, that's all that mattered. You know, clean fight, ugly fight, dog fight. You know, if we had to go forehead to forehead, that's what we're doing. Uh, it just, I, I just needed to get the win. Did you, let me ask you this. Did you kind of, when you dropped Victor down, did you, would that, that surprise you a bit? Or did you go, okay, I know this guy's tough. He's been dropped before. Uh, but let me just continue to stay focused and do what, I, what I'm doing. Because I got to give you so much credit, man. I mean, not only, like, you didn't headhunt. Like, you basically, you basically and I was doing live tweeting when you're, you guys were fighting. And I was pretty much telling my listeners that you pretty much made sure that you covered every part of his body. Like, you touched every part of his body. You didn't, you didn't get, like, super focused on one particular part of Victor's body in that fight. Yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a headhunter, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna take what you give me or I'm gonna, <clears throat> or I'm gonna create it. Uh, you know, I haven't seen the fight yet. I'm probably gonna sit on it for like a good month and then I'm gonna sit down and actually watch it and, uh, kind of break it down a little bit. Uh, but what, what was your other question? What when you dropped them, did you did oh. it give you that sense like, oh wait a minute, this might be a little easier than what I was anticipating, or did you just go, okay, this is the plan? That we we kind of oh. saw this ha might happen. Honestly, I didn't even know that he's been dropped before, and uh, I was surprised when I caught him with the right hook and he fell, or like you know when I dropped him, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I just knew he was uh, the way he was coming forward and the way his hands were positioning. My uh, trainer from Michigan. He told me that uh, when he throws his punches, he keeps his hands down, you know. So I knew at some point in time I was going to be able to throw a right, like a right hook, right overhand. And, uh, you know, I just kind of timed it perfectly, caught him right on the money, and he dropped. Well, this is this is what it sounded like right here. Oh, what a sweeping right hand by a lame. Yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That was great. I was like, holy smokes. I, 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 you know, I'm leaning back and then all of a sudden I'm leaning forward and then I'm getting even closer to the TV. And I got like, I have like an 80 inch TV, bro. I was like this close to the 80 inch TV, you know? Uh, but yeah, go ahead and build. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, la last question really for me is about your relationship with, uh, your trainer. Uh, you know, you're, you're from Michigan. I'm guessing you're out of Las Vegas right now, right? You, you re relocated out there. So yeah. how did you end up doing that? And how did you end up uh, linking up with, with your trainer? Um, so um, my original trainer, who is Terry Markowski, he, he lives in uh, Michigan. He's still part of Team Aleem and everything that goes on, just, you know, with COVID restrictions and whatnot, wasn't at the fight. Uh, so when I came to Vegas, it's like, okay, I got to find a gym. I got to find a trainer. Kind of traveled around a little bit, went to some different gyms, kind of talked to some different trainers. I started work, working with uh, Bones Adams, you know, great guy. We have a great relationship. He was training me at one point in time. Uh, we decided to go our separate ways, just, you know, different fighters and whatnot. Uh, so then I decided to uh, link up with my homeboy, Bobby, uh, Bobby McRoy, who is my current uh, trainer. And when I first touched down in Vegas, he was one of the guys in the gym. We would kind of hit mitts and do this, this, and that. If I needed uh, somebody to work my corner in sparring, he would just show up. 
and you know work my corner and stuff and uh this was like you know some years ago and everything and after me and bones kind of went our separate ways i gave him a call and we talked and uh we decided to make it happen and i believe I, i've gotten a lot better we we uh we have a good relationship and uh yeah you know, let me ask you something because this has been a debate on our show and, and, and you know, other uh, sister stations that are part of Leaving the Ring. Belts. How important are belts to you? You know, uh, like, you know, this, the, the, you got the interim belt, you got the super uh, belt, all this stuff. You know, do you think that is it really important to you or do you feel like, you know what, it doesn't matter as long as I get the undisputed title? Is that, you know what I mean? That's all what fighters are seeking for or is it? Well, ultimately, the uh, the undisputed title is uh, what every fighter should be seeking, you know, because right. otherwise, like, what are you doing? You're, you're just fighting just to fight? No. You know, the undisputed title is uh, what every fighter should be striving for. That's what I'm striving for. That's what Akhmedalia currently has, and that's what I'm going to take from him. Uh, but besides that, the, the other belts, they matter to a certain extent of uh, what you've accomplished, you know, Uh being a number one ranked contender, you know, winning the interim belt, being being able to uh, have a mandatory, you know, but I don't really think that gives you any bragging rights. Like, oh, I got a belt. Like, no, get the undisputed, and then you can brag like that. Exactly. No, I, I agree with you on that there, you know. In a perfect world at 122, I mean, it's stacked. There's, I mean, there's a lot of fights there. In a perfect world, if you can be your own manager, your own promoter, what would be the lineup for you? Akhmedalia, uh, Lewis Neary, and then uh, Stephen Fulton. Yeah. That would you know, be that, a great... That, that'd be a lineup. I mean, uh, whether it was uh, Fulton first or, or Neary, but because uh, Neary and Figueroa probably won't be... I, I want Akhmedalia first, Lewis Neary, then uh, Fulton. I have no problems that's in our chat room on our listeners. He's asking, can you ask what is the ideal schedule would be for 2021? How many fights per year? Oh, well, since I already fought once, I'm looking to fight at least two more times. You know, so you figure uh, mid-year, summertime, and then uh, one more time before the end of the year, uh, November, December. Man, that'd be great. That'd be great. The Beast. That's why they call him The Beast. You know, that's... That's it right there. <laughs> hey, I want to, again, thank you again for coming through, man. I know you got a very busy schedule. Uh, I know that a lot of folks want to interview, and I just want to thank uh, you and Mario Serrano for allowing you to come through on Leaving the Ring and joining us, man. I uh, look forward to having you once again here on the show, man. It was a lot of fun, and thank you for answering all of our questions. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, stay tuned. You know, uh, big things are coming up, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be ready for it all. Well-deserved, bro. Well-deserved, you know. You know. We wish you the best, my brother. Yeah. Well-deserved, brother. Okay, man. Thanks very much. There we go. Now let's run it back one more time, Dave. He is the winner by way of technical knockout. He is still undefeated. He is now the interim WBA Super Bantamweight World Champion, Rice, the Beast Ali. Hard work. There you go. I got to tell you, uh, you know, I, I knew the kid was talented and yeah. I knew that, that, you know what, this kid, um, obviously it's going to, it's going to prove where he stands in the division. And, uh, like I was saying, like, we were like little fanboys for the moment there because of his, 
because of the dominance that he had over Victor. Victor was no slouch, bro. Was not no a slouch, slouch at, at all. No slouch at all. No. I thought it was going to be a very competitive fight. Uh, before we got on the air, I was actually saying that I don't know what Al Bernstein was watching, man. He called it a close fight multiple times. Yeah, so the I didn't see that. In the ninth or tenth round, he was still acting as if uh, Pasillas had a shot. I mean, he'd been down three times, three three separate rounds. I mean, I so, think that he thought maybe Pasilla, because Pasilla did have power, uh, was known to come off the canvas. And, you know, I mean, he had came off the canvas before and, and turned things around. So I thought maybe that's what he was referring to. But at the mm. same time, I did see, like, I, honestly, I even said this to you earlier. I was like, I think, I think Al was kind of like taking, uh, he's like, he's missing a step here and there. You know what I mean? I, I, he didn't seem like himself. Um, he was there a couple of things that he was saying that didn't make any sense or like he was missing the bar about what he was watching and viewing. But nevertheless, the, the Showtime commentators are by far better than, the zone commentators. Oh. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 love, I, love the, I love the Showtime commentators. And uh, I also love the PBC guys too, Lennox Lewis and Joe Goosen. I'm a big fan of theirs as well. So, yeah, co-sign that one, Dave. No, but the other thing about uh, Aleem, he's got an interesting background, right? Mm-hmm. He, he fights in a super unique way. And like I was telling you earlier, I hope you check it out too. I, I On my channel, I... I I put up some some. I put up a karate fight, and then I showed his fight. He 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 goes in and out, right? He uses angles, uh, and he even delivered that first knockout punch from a, like a wide angle. Oh, sorry, from a kind of a wide stance, um, very much like like a karate guy. And unlike Jeff Horn and um, his trainer, who was absolutely uh, ridiculed on Australian TV when Horn lost to Zoo. Aleem does not seem to purposely try to be awkward, whereas to me, uh, Jeff Horn, in his style coming out of karate as well, is like it's like he's trying to be awkward, if that makes sense. It's like an awkwardness that's natural when it comes to uh, Aleem and a kind of an awkwardness that's more forced and, and when it comes to Jeff Horn. And I, I, no knock against Jeff Horn, but uh, Aleem has is, is shown himself to be uh, unique. I, I, I can't think of another uh, black belt in in karate that's made the transition to boxing who fights like this and effectively. I mean, that second knockout, he he switched effortlessly from from orthodox to southpaw and then delivered a, a straight shot with the left hand. It was very much reminiscent of Terence Crawford. No, definitely, definitely. You know. Um... Yeah, I go back again and how he made sure he touched, he covered every base, you know, his movement inside, outside, touching the body, touching the head, uh, every, every punch that he, he basically utilized every punch you can throw, uh, against Victor. And, uh, it was a beautiful performance, man. I, I was in awe to tell you the truth, because I was like, this is how you're supposed to box. You know, this is how you're supposed to fight. And especially at an elite level like that, um, I mean, he left you thinking, bro, he's a problem child for anybody at the 122 division right now. It would not be, I would not call you crazy if you picked him over a lot of the guys in in that division. I wouldn't be calling you crazy at all because it's a very difficult style to prepare, to prepare for as well. 
people are not going to really be able to find sparring partners that can mimic that style. It's going to be very difficult to prepare for. You're talking about a left-hander who fights orthodox, who comes from a karate background where he's used to different angles that are not really utilized in boxing, and then who can switch hit. It's, 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 it's a nightmare. D-Style points out earlier on that uh, he wishes Navarrete was still in the division. I know. Ooh, I, like I saw that. I definitely, definitely saw that. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, everybody was, uh, you know, trying to get on uh, ESPN Plus to watch UFC. I was perfectly content and happy being on Showtime to watch the fights that were going on on Saturday night. You know, um, Roley, I don't know, man. I, I know everybody said he looked better. Um I just saw a guy that's very stiff, and I, in all honesty, um, I think he's the bottom of the barrel of the 135 pounders out there, in my opinion, man. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were about about uh, Roli Romana, Romo, Romo, uh, oh my God, Romero. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about him, but I, I, I sat there and I'm like, is it me or is this kid just not that good? Well, he's still a prospect. So if if you're saying if you're comparing him to like Lopez Haney Davis, hey, the Lomantenko. kid's calling out Lopez Haney and and, and Lomachenko well, by saying you know, he's ready. I don't I don't think he's close to it. You need to tell tell him to settle down a little bit. <laughs> the guy the guy he fought is no preparation for him. No. Um, and forget forget that. I mean, I don't think he's even ready for like a Richard. I'm not. I shouldn't even say Richard Comey because Richard Comey is a good fighter, but let's say like a guy like Lee Selby, um, you know, I, I don't think he's ready for anybody like that, you know, or, or an Isaac Cruz or Oliver Flores or Josh O'Reilly or, you know, a Verdejo, you know, I think, I think he's got a long way to go before we can start talking about him, you know, with the lights of those people, let alone the champs. You know, I was like sitting there thinking if the HBO, I mean, I'm sorry, if Showtime's commentary wanted to be honest about what they were seeing, um, they would have brought up the fact that Sparrow at one time was considered a very high taunted, uh, you know, prospect coming into the pro rankings. And because uh, I was scratching my head, I was like, man, Sparrow at one time was actually looked at to be something special. I didn't see it. What what happened here? And and Roley was actually struggling with a guy. I mean, I, tell me if I'm wrong here. It was almost watching like back the backyard fights there for a moment between the two. You know, there was no settling. They were, like, throwing punches just from weird angles. They were wrestling a lot. Um, it was a really ugly performance. I don't know where everybody's getting off that that was a good performance for Roley. To me, it was like he had – honestly, he has to go back and kind of learn boxing a little bit more and really relax. His muscles were really tense. He was stiff as a board. I mean, I don't know how we all thought that maybe – at one point, he could have been very competitive against Ryan Garcia because off of that performance, I was like, Ryan, I think Ryan has actually, he'll actually make Ryan Garcia look like the Bro. boxer. Bro, if he goes anywhere near Ryan Garcia with those openings, you know, because his defense was the biggest problem to me. Like he's throwing without any worry about defense. He faces a counter puncher, let alone a guy like, uh, you know, Ryan Garcia, who's got that, that, as said, he always likes to tell us that quick chick left hook. He's going to sleep, and he ain't getting up. You know, here's a good thing, too. Um, 
which I actually like this fight, where Ron PMC said, I would not mind to see uh, Romero versus Isaac Cruz. That's actually a good yeah, fight. It's either a put up or shut up type of deal for me right there. Yeah, I mentioned Isaac Cruz earlier on. I mean, he's got to take on a guy of that level, uh, or, or Josh O'Reilly or, or James Tennyson or somebody of those lines, like the middle-ranked, like top 10, late top 10 guys before he should even talk about a Teofimo Lopez or somebody like that. Look, I'm not saying he doesn't have a future. He's still very young, uh, but he's got a lot to tighten up. And you were explaining to me the role of a PR. He also needs a really good PR guy because the, the, well, they should be pumping the brakes on all that talk about about guys like Teofimo, if that's what he's been saying. Well, like Esso was saying, no one thinks really is good, though. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. That's why I was surprised when I've seen so many folks that are like part of the media. They were saying like it had kind of like pumped this kid up and saying how good he was. I was like, he's not that great, but it is his personality. When you talk about getting a good PR, I think the reason we're talking about Roly is because he attached himself to Ryan Garcia and because the kid looks so angry. You know what I mean? Like, he was literally in there. He was actually even pissed off walking to the ring before he even got there. So he definitely has a, a, a personality where you want to see him either put up or shut up, in my opinion. Yeah, Absolutely. And just letting all you all you guys know, um, if you want to get on uh, to talk with us, just send us a text. We'll call you right back in. Uh, the number's there, 347-460-1774. If you're looking to listen, sorry, 73. Let me repeat that whole, all the way back, 347-460-1773. If you're listening to us on demand on Pandora, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or other platforms, you are more than welcome to tune in live, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, every Monday night. Join us, me and David, to talk some boxing. You know, I guess we got to move on. Well, no, actually, let's move on to the main event with uh, Leo and uh, Fulton, man. Um, you know, watching Leo, I, you know, you know, my thing was is that watching his corner, give him a, in the late rounds, actually being honest with him, saying, son, you need a knockout. You'd have got to go out there. You know, Fulton was definitely, uh, it, there was a lot of close close rounds, but you can always sway those rounds with Fulton. I didn't have a problem with the scorecards at all. You know, I thought Fulton did more than enough to, to win each each round. Uh, you know, the most I think I gave uh, Leo was like two rounds in that fight. But when when you hear the commentators saying, you know, um, like Raul Marquez, who does a phenomenal job, he was saying, you know, Fulton needs a fight in the outside. This is where he's at. Bro, I was like, he could fight inside, outside, because it didn't seem like Leo had a a, a, a clue what he was going to do next. You know, he was struggling a little bit with the inside fighting. And when the guy got on the outside, he was struggling even more. And they were saying that was the game plan because they thought that that's what Fulton was going to do. And I was like, okay, well, where was the game plan at? You know what I'm saying? There was no cutting off of the ring. There was nothing to set up into, you know, to set uh, set up Fulton to slow him down. Um, it was almost like they just, you know, kind of fall him around all around the ring. And I just thought it was really bad. Uh, you know, I like the kid Leo, but you got to give kudos to Fulton. They went out there with a perfect plan to to take the title away from the kid. Yeah, and it didn't really seem like Leo had much of a plan B. I mean, it it was just more of the same each round. He was trying to win the inside battle and getting touched up on his way in. And then on the inside, he was kind of getting dominated. It's, uh, it's tough. Honestly, it was a bad style matchup for him. It really was. 
It definitely was. And you know what? With a kid that doesn't have much power, uh, you know, which here's another thing. The, they have worked on Leo's perfection of going to the body, attacking the body, which he does phenomenal work. Okay, Fulton was doing it back to him, though. You know, which means that that's what they worked on as well, is to attack Leo's body as well. But if you're going to teach a kid how to attack the, attack the body, you got to teach the kid how to block your, you know, protect your body. And I didn't see any of that in that fight. And that's kind of proved when you started saying Leo kind of just, you know, the tank starting to, to, to empty out with the body shots from Fulton, you know. Um, definitely the kick can go back to the drawing board. Uh, he's got a solid chin, you know. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, that's what kept him in the fight. You know, good thing that Fulton doesn't have, like, a Leem's power because I think he would have rocked him more. But it also shows that Leo was able to rock Fulton. I don't know if you saw that. I believe it was in the, in the third round. He was able to catch him and knock him, uh, you know, and rock him back a bit, actually give him wide eyes. Uh, when Leo land a good uh, good overhand right. But I go back again with this whole body work. He does phenomenal work in attacking that body, but you got to go back to the drawing board and show the kid how to protect his own body. Because I think that's what really, honestly, he allowed the fight slip away from him because of that body attack. He did. And, you know, Fulton also dominated kind of the pacing of the fight as well. He, he boxed at his own pace. And... When he wanted to fight on the inside, he fought on the inside. When he wanted to right. take small breaks on the inside, he had no problems with grappling for a few seconds, right, to kind of stunt the work that Leo was trying to get off. It was really a masterful performance. And, you know, sign me up for Fulton against the lean. You know, I'd like to see that. I'd like to I see a lean all of these guys. I got a lean, to tell you the truth, you know. So um, do I. I don't think so Fulton do has the power to keep Leem off of him. To tell you the nah. truth, I think the beast would be all over him. Uh, G-Funky Boxing puts Leo look bad. Um, I think Fulton made him look really, really bad, to tell you the truth. you know, um, I mean, look, Leo is, is who he is. He's a very limited uh, fighter, okay? And that's what I mean, that you got to have a little bit more in that arsenal uh, when you know that you don't have that punching power. There should have been a plan B, plan C, along the lines of the plan A that they had. But again, I didn't see no plan A here at Milcar. Uh, guys that are tuning in, I didn't see an A plan because they keep saying that they were expecting Fulton to fight on the outside. Okay, when he did do that, was Leo getting the better of the two? No, no he, he wasn't. No, he when Fulton was fighting on the outside, he was just trying to get on the inside. And when he got into the inside, he was getting beat up on the inside. I mean, it just wasn't a good look, you know. He he was look, once he was losing on the inside, the fight was over. Here's the thing though with Fulton and Aline. He just fought the conventional man's fighter in Leo. Everything right. Leo did was pretty conventional. Aline is the unconventional guy's fighter. Everything he does is unconventional. He's he's going out at 45 degrees on the left, 45 degrees on the right, attacking at 45 and uh, on both sides, hitting from the left hand, hitting from the right hand. And as you pointed out, Dave, it was body attack, head attack, you know, uh, various parts of the body, whether it was the, the chest or the middle of the belly, both sides. I mean, he was just touching them up everywhere. Yeah, and you know what? They weren't always like solid shots but they were arm punches to keep you guessing where where is he going where is he going with this you know and you saw that with victor's face like he was like what is he going to do next how is he going to start off you know um 
even though Richter was was you know uh, catching him with some shots, but it wasn't consistently. You know, uh, even and he, like he would throw a big shot and maybe land, but then when he tried to finish it up with another shot. Uh, Aleem already attacked him, you know what I mean? He was already punching in between those punches. So Aleem's speed too, which is, you got to give him credit for, Aleem's got some speed as well with those punches, those those variations of combination that he throws. My man Outlaw just, just uh, said something in the chat that, that I just made saw me that. Laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll speak to it real quick. Look, if anyone has an issue with anything I say, lines are open, dog. I don't have a problem debating anybody. So if if... If guys from the LDBC are are, are going to call me uh, this or that, that's fine. But you you're talking to a Marxist, far left, radical, a black man. So go ahead. I really don't care. Just to let you know, outlaw, it's already been. It, we already we've already received the emails, the flood of emails. Uh, okay, and uh, you know it's it's perfectly fine. You know we mm-hmm. we're. we're it's not like we've never been in the line of fire. Leaving a ring has been in the line of fire. <laughs> uh, you know, let's move on, man. Let's... A heads up, because I know you remember the family, so appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to the next big news here that we've been hearing here, okay? Because on Saturday night, you did have the UFC. Conor McGregor was supposed to make his comeback on the rematch uh, against this other kid. Don't ask me about who he is, because I don't watch UFC a whole lot. Uh, only once, once in a great while, I do watch it. Um, and uh, he, but damn, I'm late. Um, and uh, Manny, I mean, uh, Conor McGregor gets stopped in the second round, and it obviously took the other fight that was on the table, which was supposed to be later on Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao. But now that that's off the table, which uh, you know a lot of people are believing, and even Conor McGregor saying, "Hey, my legs weren't there," um, you know. Uh, Ryan Garcia jumped right in, you know, and he was like, hey, Golden Boy, De La Hoya, uh, let's forget Devin Haney, let's ta- let's forget about Tank, let me get a shot at Manny Pacquiao. So it looks like that may, that looks like there's a lot of talk about that. How real it is, Milkar, I'm not really sure. There's a lot of conflict about it right now, um, about if that fight could actually be made or what. Uh, would Manny be even be interested in fighting uh, fighting uh, Ryan Garcia? We're not really sure yet. Uh, but let me ask you: Do you want to play promoter? Yeah, let me play promoter real quick. Who's promoter? Let's you. You're gonna play promoter. So let's. No, uh, no, no, no. But which fighter? Which fighter? For for I don't know. Take your pick. Who do you want to play promoter for? I'll do both. You do both. Yeah. All right. Well, you said it here. Uh, let's uh, let's play. Promoter. I already played fat boy, so why not play promoter? Let's right? play promoter. Video skills that can do that. Go to your Alexa app to manage your video skills and devices. Hmm. All right. Promoter time. Promoter All right. Time. So. I'm promoter. I want to make the most money here out of this fight, right? I want to sell it to the public, and I think it's let's let's take on Manny first. Manny, if he really thinks he can win this fight, which I actually think he can at 42, take the fight, hmm. right? Uh, 
he hits a lot harder than Luke Campbell does. Even at 42, I think he's a lot faster. He's a and, lot and craftier. A lot craftier. He's he's a seasoned pro. Um, I, I honestly don't see him getting knocked out by Ryan Garcia, to be honest. And I don't see Ryan Garcia outboxing him. Uh, and if it's at 140, you know, it could be a new weight class for Ryan Garcia, too. So if I'm Manny's promoter, if the money is there and we can generate the money, let's go do it. Problem is, it's a pandemic, so that's going to kind of affect things a little bit. Not really if they go uh, to Houston. Oh, that's true, Houston. There you go. See, that's why you're my assistant promoter, man. You, you reminded me <laughs> of a little thing. All right, so we're going to do it in Houston. We're going to make a big deal out of it. Uh, Deloya, he's going to do it because he's going to get a nice little share of the pie. And at the end of the day, if Ryan Garcia loses, he just lost to a legend, right? Now, of the two boxers, if I'm Pacquiao, I'd be far less inclined to do it just because he's a little bit older. Let's say the shoulder injury comes back. He doesn't look so good. And then he just lost to Ryan Garcia. Well, here's the thing. Too. To smudge on his legacy a little bit, I think. But I'm glad that Jesus and put this up there really quick. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I just want to point this out. I'm glad that he put this up there. Let me put this back up there. Uh, might be exhibitions. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about no exhibitions. I've seen that too, that they're thinking about having an exhibition. I'm like, why would two guys that are still active, especially Ryan Garcia, who's in his prime, want to fight, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao in an exhibition? Okay. Secondly, um, are they talking about a catch weight? Is Ryan going to leave the 140, um, uh, the 135 division, try to move up? You know, the whole exhibition thing, I, yeah, I got it. It worked for Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. But do you really want to see it between two active fighters? And that's the other thing with Pacquiao. This, I thought Pacquiao was looking to try to gain another title. Um, I mean, I could see why he would fight, want to fight Conor McGregor because there's by far a lot more money with fighting Conor McGregor than there would be fighting Ryan Garcia. Could I, could I be wrong about that? You were right. And if he wanted to fight McGregor and they have the same manager, apparently, Saturday's fight should have never taken place. They should have gone straight to Manny because there's always a chance he was going to lose against Dustin Poirier, right? And that's ended, that actually is what happened. And now, you know, the, the, obviously a Pacquiao fight has little to no value at all. Um I don't you know, know about it's, that. It's, it's not what it would have been before, Dave. Let's, I mean, it's just not. You know, look, we just saw a guy get knocked out in UFC, and now he's going to come out and... and Who got dusted? Who got dusted in, in two rounds? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't see people wanting to really buy that. I've seen people wanting to stream that, maybe. Now, th- back to the Ryan Garcia thing about exhibition. This is how I could possibly see an exhibition fight working, right? And Bear with me for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell through YouTube, right? They do a stream. Right. They charge like 15 bucks for it. And they make a little bread like that. I'm sure they could sell a lot of little YouTube streams that way. You know, if you're Ryan Garcia, they make a little bit of money. And then it's no blotch off anybody's record. It's just an old guy and a younger guy having a lot of fun and making a few million dollars in the process. Very true. D-Sal puts, he also got knocked out via fist, not submission. Like before, Dang, he was dusted. It wasn't a You're telling telling the fight fans that a guy that just got knocked out in UFC is going to beat up Manny. Like no one's going to believe that. 
Now, if you're Ryan Garcia, we're still playing promoter here. Anybody wants to uh, play promoter, give them the, the, the phone number again, the milk car. Call in. Let's play promoter here on Leaving the Ring. What would you do with Ryan Garcia or Manny Pacquiao if you were the manager slash promoter? Yeah, uh, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear it. And also, let's talk next steps for these two guys. Like, what would you do uh, if you were one of these two guys? If you're well, Pacquiao... Ryan- to me, Ryan Garcia is across all across the board right now. Like he's all over the place. He wants to be. He wants to unify the titles at 135. Then he's like talking about MMA entering the ring. You know the cage. Now he's talking Pacquiao in exhibition. I mean, what's what's next for this kid? I get it. I mean, I mean, I I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if I hear him try to pull the Oscar De La Hoya make a a, a recording mm-hmm. album uh, gig deal for next. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I forgot about that. Dude, he had such a great look. This is my thing, okay? Let's go back again, playing promoter. If I was his wife, isn't it? That's how he met Millie. Yeah, that's how he met Millie, yeah. In yeah. the recording studio. He was, forgot uh, about that. My brother-in-law's going to get mad because he listens to the show because he's a big boxing fan as well. Uh, Adolfo, uh, you remember you bought the CD, my man. Remember that. <laughs> I didn't buy that CD. I didn't buy that shit. <laughs> Oh, no, neither did I. Uh, but going back with Ryan, man, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if I was his, yeah, God, again, if I was his team, I'd be like, look, um, if you want to call somebody with popularity, because look, I get it, why he's calling out Pacquiao. It's it's a great way to market your name. The kid's a genius at marketing his name. I don't know how much seriousness is there, but he's definitely got the MMA world talking about him as well because he's talking about flirting and getting in the, the cage because he's he's like he, he's hearing like a, 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 the best female fighter of the world right now. Shields talking about that. Um, then he's you know he sees that there was a big push with the with the Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Look at the amount of people that that decided to buy that fight, that exhibition fight. So he's like, look, Manny Pacquiao is out there. He just lost a, he just lost a lot of money uh, due to the fact that Conor McGregor got knocked out, got dusted. You know, why not attach my name to uh, uh, to that, you know? Because I think if there was any real seriousness about him doing that, I was like, if I was his management team and, and I would ask the kid, look, if you're really serious about making a move up, um, why not go after the guy that has the same amount of clout? For some reason, this guy still brings a lot of like fans, you know, to the arena. He's got a huge following. Uh, Mikey Garcia. You're talking about Ryan Garcia? Yeah, Ryan Garcia versus Mikey Garcia. I think that's a bad fight for for Ryan Garcia, bro. I I think I think Pacquiao's a bad fight for Ryan Garcia too. I think they both are. You know, why don't, why don't you just take on Oscar and get it over with? Why don't you just do that? That would be a huge fight. I'd rather, I'd rather see him get in with Andy Ruiz. I think he's ducking Andy Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, I would honestly, if I was Team Garcia, I would say, hey, let's focus on the guys that are in our division right now. And then let's kind of wait. Uh, don't spend your, your, your prime with this other little shenanigans that you want to do. You have all the time in the world. If if you're able to become a household name, if you're able to make the accomplishments that you're ho- that we're hoping you could do, then we could call out the Manny Pacquiao's of the world. I I just you know yes, I scratch my head. Unless he doesn't think he can beat those guys, David. 
Because if you don't think you can beat those guys, might as well lose to a guy out of your weight class. And make no, a lot I, think of money. He, I think he thinks he could beat those guys. I mean, I, I don't see any slack of confidence with that kid. Yeah, well, then he should go do it. You know? Now, with Pacquiao, uh, if I was Pacquiao team, I'd be like, yeah, well, well you know, what's what's the biggest option? You, you just lost Conor McGregor. Um, I still think you can still make that fight because there's a lot of USC fans that would still tune in to see Conor McGregor, especially with Conor McGregor saying, you're not getting, you know, we're not getting hit in the legs. My legs weren't there. There's a lot of guys that would still buy in that Manny's a smaller guy than Conor McGregor. That Conor McGregor lost to a guy that's 155 and probably came in at 170, right? Manny, Manny is obviously a guy that doesn't balloon up that much, right? I think they could still sell that, that fight there, in my opinion, to a lot of casual fans that wouldn't want to watch this. Now, if that's not on the table, you know, Errol Spence, which I don't think he wants. I don't think he wants that fight. There's not a lot of big money in that fight for him. You know, um, I think it'd be a great fight, but I think it's a, a pass of the torch, in my opinion, if he was to uh, uh, get in with Errol Spence. Uh, if not Mikey Garcia, if not Floyd Mayweather, then yeah, Ryan Garcia. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. But, uh, I mean, look, the fight I want to see Ryan Garcia in there with is the fight he called for initially, which is Tank Davis. And That's what I want to see. If he can't get the Tank Davis fight, then give me some uh, Devin Haney. Uh, Devin Haney. I'll be honest, I, I uh, gained a lot of respect for Devin Haney over the weekend. I saw an interview he did with uh, Max Kellerman, and he didn't back down at all. He was direct, forceful, but also very respectful and held his ground, you know. At the end of the day, he's making the case that Lomachenko didn't want to see him at 135. It's not his fault that he has that belt, you know. Um, right. And, you know, uh, Teofimo Jr. should face him. I I'd also like to see that fight with Teofimo and Haney. Mostly because, look, we all know how talented Devin Haney is. We just right. need to see him against top-tier competition. And that's I think that's what we're calling for. We don't want to see Devin Haney against any more... Uh, 40-year-old Yuri Orcus Gamboas. No, we don't, you know. Um, but unfortunately, you got two of the best 135-pounders. And actually, I mean, you know, yeah, with top rank, and then you got the others, uh, the recognizable 135-pounders with Golden Boy. You know, um, I think Haney needs to just like what he's doing. You know, uh, unfortunately, we're supposed to have him on today, you know, but we had to reschedule it for next week. Um because I had a lot of questions for him as well. I think I think the right move is to start speaking up, you know, Emil, uh, because just, you know, there's that old saying, a closed mouth don't get fed. Yeah, closed mouth don't get fed. And, um, you know, boxers, unfortunately, sometimes have to do these things and make fights for themselves. You know, I was going, uh, I responded to one of G-Funky's posts uh, this morning. He was showing a video over Twitter of... Uh, Majorca Forest, which was a fantastic fight, um, at least the first one, in terms of how surprising it was to everybody. I, I was literally shocked when it happened. And really? You were shocked with that fight? When Majorca went after the first? talking about the first fight with Forrest, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the first fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big Ferdinand Forrest fan. I was also a Majorca fan. I, mean, I, was, my, my I, was, I was, you know, what's funny is that when Majorca knocked out six-head uh, Andrew Lewis, um, yeah, it was a big, I, I was like, that. this guy has a he has a chance of catching Forrest. 
if, if, Choice, if Forrest doesn't take it serious. And I remember Forrest in the rewalk. He was, the rap music was going. He was dancing. He was smiling. Right there told me. I'm like, oh, bro. He, he, he took Mayorga really seriously. Yeah, he didn't take him seriously at, at, at all. And look yeah, what happened did. that night. Mm-hmm. He did it. A great fight. In fact, I think we should discuss a fight like this every week. But, um, yeah, I mean, one thing about Mayorga, he took on the role of the villain in his right. fights. But he had to. Let's face facts. He, he kind of had to do it. I mean, he, he's a dark dude from Nicaragua, poor background, doesn't, you know, speak perfect Castilian Spanish, you know? Right. Uh, is rough and rugged, doesn't have a, a much of a formal education, doesn't yep. have a huge fan base here in the U.S. So <laughs> he decided, you know what, I'm going to be the bad guy. You know, not to quote Razor Ramon, but uh, that's what he decided to do. And But behind all of that, he was actually a really good guy. I mean, he did a lot for his his block, like his, his barrio. In, in, um, right, in, in Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, he, he literally fill up... Uh, uh, multiple suitcases after every fight and just go to Walmart and fill it up with toys and different things and take it all back. Yeah. And unfortunately, he got he got robbed by his management team, who was a Don, uh, Don a stepson, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and his promoter. And then the, the rest of the wealth that he did have, he, he kind of gave it all away. So, yeah, Ricardo. Okay, you know what? Here's the similarities of this uh, Mayorga and Forrest fight. I'm glad you brought this up because it brings the the question about rematches. Okay, uh, Ricardo Mayorga dismantled Vernon Forrest, who Vernon Forrest was coming off a major high win over Sugar Shane Mosley. Remember that? Okay, and Vernon Forrest was considered the best 147 pounder of the division. Okay, he took out he took out the Golden Boy who took out. The golden boy, okay? So he was supposed to get that aura. And Ricardo Mayorga went out there as the wild card. Again, he was the wild man. He took out a six-head Lewis, which the first time he knocked out Lewis, uh, I mean, yeah, he beat Lewis. Uh, it was supposed to be a fluke. Lewis went, went back out there. He gets knocked out. It showed that Ricardo Mayorga had some serious power behind those hands. But we weren't really sure... Could he do that to a season and a guy that just got off of a tremendous win over Sugar Shane Mosley, who a lot of people were writing on the fact that he was the re, you know, reborn uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. You remember that? Ring Magazine had him as the new Sugar oh, yeah. Ray Robinson. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Shane, Shane Mosley was pound for pound number one what? when Ford took right. him out. So, like, he, 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 yeah. so let's fast forward. However many years that was, right, to, to last year. Mm-hmm. Lomachenko was considered pound for pound. No matter yeah. where you went, this guy was the golden standard of what you're supposed to look like at a, at, at, at a division, at your weight, and what would be considered pound for pound, okay? Mm-hmm. Teofio Lopez was a kid that had a big mouth and was, look at me. This is what I could do. This is what I'm going to do. He beats the gold standard of what people had labeled pound for pound. Beats him. This is why I say they should do it again. Because Mayorga beat the gold standard at that time. Sorry, keep it in mind. Beat the standard at that time in Vernon Forrest and immediately gave him the rematch 
to for Vernon Forrest, and what happened? He beat him again. That's why I like to see rematches, even though it's some say, hey, it's so more convincing of what uh, Teofimo, I mean, what was more convincing, Ricardo Moyoga's performance in the first fight or Teofimo Lopez's performance against Lomachenko in that fight? We'll check this out. Go to Larry Merchant in the ring with the winner. Thank you, Jim. Congratulations, Ricardo. Between rounds, you said this guy really hits hard. Did he hurt you in the second round? He hit me, but I was I was fighting a clown. I didn't knock him out in the first round because my corner told me to take it easy, but I got him. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. that I, I love my organ, man. I love oh, yeah. that. I love my And one thing that Teo has in common with him, man, these guys are from their background. Well, uh, Mayorga is born in a small Central American country and Teo's right. background is from a small uh, Central American country. They don't have huge built-in fan bases in the United States. No. People tend to forget a lot of these uh, Central American countries, I know because my mom comes from one, they're smaller than a lot of Mexican states, let alone Mexico as a country. You know, they, they're these are small, little, little countries. And... Um, it's a challenge that, that Teo might have moving forward. I think I'm going to do a video on this at some point. And how Top Rank really struggles to market people beyond the the national thing. And if they're going to continue to market him along the Honduran lines, I don't know how good that is going to be for Teo if they if they try to do that. But I look, don't understand. You know what? I'll tell you. This, you're absolutely right about that, okay? And now Top Rank yeah. is great. Honestly, Top Rank has been in business a lot longer than any other promoters uh, that are out there. You know, nobody competes in uh, of the longevity that Top Rank has been around, okay? But, you know, uh, Top Rank has built superstars. But you're right about the Central American ones. For some reason, if they don't have the massive backings, uh, they're not going to get them to that, that high platform. You know, uh, this past weekend... During football, and that's another sport that I don't watch, unfortunately. I'm not a big football fan. Um, Neither am I. Caleb Plant was put in the commercials, I believe. And he's talking about being the next superstar. I mean, Top Rank, you got you got a deal with ESPN. Why, is not, why isn't Tilfima Lopez Jr., who's got so much charisma, personality, just oozes out of this kid? Allow this kid to run free. You know, I mean, this kid could go across... Uh, so many, you know, platforms as well. Like Ryan Garcia's got that, you know, uh, uh, that clean boy kind of look, but Teofimo's got that bad boy hip hop kind of look. Like this he is what I mean. Does. This is what I mean. That sometimes, just like in politics, we need new blood, new blood in there. Um, same thing with boxing promoters. You guys need new blood. You need to think outside of the box. You know, Teofimo Lopez Jr. should be marketed all over across the board, especially if you got to deal with ESPN. I don't get that. Well, I don't know if you if you saw the video that came out from Mikey Garcia talking about uh, Top Rank over the weekend where he says, fuck Aram, and then he talks about how people make more money after they leave Top Rank. The truth of the matter is Top Rank, as he said, does a very good job at developing fighters. Yes, that's true. But once they get to a superstar 
status or, or, or trying to approach that, right? Mm-hmm. That's where top rank totally drops the ball. I mean, I don't know if I agree I mean, with that completely, though. You know, well, look, look at it. Floyd left. Oscar left. Kodo left. These are all of the names that that Mikey was dropping. I'm I'm paraphrasing I, Mikey here. I don't want to take credit right. for this. They I, all I, made more money after they left Top Rank and became bigger stars. I mean, but they had to be a star before they could leave them. They couldn't just have just left. You know, what's surprising with Mikey Garcia? I mean. You, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Mikey, let's talk about Mikey Garcia a little bit here. What did Mikey Garcia really do besides getting in with Errol Spence to be kind of in the same lineup with Manny Pacquiao, uh, you know, the De La Hoyas? I mean, I think about it. He's he a big it. money draw. He's a big money draw. But with really the credentials of what any of these other fighters have accomplished. Am I right? One of the things, you know, I think it was... Doug Fisher, at some point, maybe last week, sent out a tweet where they were, like, asking for fights you wish you would see and that didn't happen. And I mentioned Floyd Casamayor. I mentioned Floyd Costezu. Right. Uh, honestly, Garcia Lomachenko is one that I should have mentioned because I honestly right. still think to the day that at 135, Mikey was going to beat Lomachenko. Exactly. I just wish that it happened because because – he was not going to back down. He was not going to be intimidated. And Mikey is a master of timing and distance. And that's really what's needed to fight Lomachenko. And, and he would have given him a hell of a fight. Memo Castro, a- Memo Castro put out there, fellas, I heard Theo may fight in Miami. And you'll be surprised how many Hondurans would show up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that he, you know, I, th- look, I think the Theo has the backings of the hardcore fans. And I think he also has a lot of fans of the Mexicanos and, you know, other Latinos and all that. What I'm saying, I think what you're saying as well, Amokar, is this should be more marketing, though, to make him a crossover star. You know, the way they're trying to do Caleb Plant, and let's be honest, Caleb Plant does not carry this. I mean, he's got, he's, he's a very skillful guy, but we we haven't seen, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, not seen, we're never going to see it from Caleb Plant, the power. Tilfimo, to me, is a package. He's got power. He can oh, box. He showed he can box. He's, he's intelligent. He's got it all. Charisma. He's got the personality. I think he's, he's, the full, he's the whole package, in my opinion. What I'm saying, and I mean, look, you know, uh, part of, anyways, I don't always got to get into my family background, but my family's like all mixed up from Central America and the Caribbean. Right. Um, I, I know the region like very, very well. And I just think that the national ethnic marketing strategy of top rank is not going to be effective for Teofimo. I think you hit the nail right on the head, David. They've got to go at a broad range of urban, hip, hip hop listening, active, you know, guys that like respect like the real ones, if you know what I mean. They're the respected dudes that talk their shit right. and back it up, right? We, we're, the, we're not going to need to see Teo coming out to, like, Honduran uh, music, which, by the way, is, like, punta music, mostly, for those of you who don't know, which is, like, a, a Garifuna style of music. And that's not going to work. There's no equivalent of the mariachi band that's going to work for Teofimo Lopez, right? He, he, right. He's, not, he's not that dude. He's from the United States. Right? right, he speaks English first and foremost. Right, and 
he he's marketable in the way in that you can market Ryan Garcia, as you said. He should be mainstream, for lack of a better word. Right. 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 They, they don't need to go like the Jaime Mungia route with 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 uh, with Tail because that shit's not going to work. Puerto Rican Rum says Miami would be a good city for Tilfimo. He's also loved in Brooklyn. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah, got, so the, he's got that Brooklyn vibe, man. Yeah. He, he's, he's got to the Barclays. But honestly, guys, and I'm being real honest here, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I don't remember Miami for the longest while being like a hotbed of boxing. No. I just don't, don't see it. I think they'd have more success if they even took him to Montreal, right? And Jesus says Central America doesn't follow boxing. Yes and no. I mean, look, Chocolatito is a huge following in Nicaragua. Yes. Right? Um, and, and there's been a lot of Panamanians, too, with a lot of following in, in Panama. But it's usually local. It's right? the access, it's, though. Let's just be honest. In the United States. Not in the United States. Right. But it's the access. This, this, look, it's not that there's not a big following. It's the access of them visually being able to see fighters, you know, Um that's that's where the, the problem, you know, kind of lays. But the internet should help them out a little bit more, you know. But yeah, I I I agree that what what Mikey was kind of saying about top rank, but I think that Mikey's been a little bit biased because they had history. The biggest win that Mikey Garcia has on his resume is defeating top rank out of his contract. Let's be honest. So I think some of the stuff he's saying is kind of biased because Mayweather, De La Hoya, uh even, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pacquiao, I mean, they were superstars before they left Bob. And yes, they made more money, but that's because they had, they, 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 they had to be developed to that point. So, I don't know. That's, that's my feelings and thoughts about it. Yeah. Uh, who, knew, who knew that we, we knew so many people here that, uh, that were Punta fans in the chat? I thought that would, I didn't know anybody would even catch that reference. <laughs> Punta is a, a Garifuna music popular in Belize, Honduras, and Guatemala. So yeah, we got some we got some real ones in the chat. Thanks, guys. Hell yeah! Let's get to. Uh, oh, let me ask you this: Andre yes, Ward said that in an interview, saying uh, he would rather fight Anthony Joshua than Canelo if he was to come back to the sport. What do you What do you think? You know, you know what? Andre Ward when he came out of the Olympics, I had a chance to go see him. When he fought, I believe it was Boone who dropped him. I can't remember who it was, but I was there. I was covering it um, at the Tati Palace. And I was interviewing him. I had a one-on-one sit down with him. I'm talking to him. And I remember the no, the number of times I end up talking, interviewing him, he keep bringing up the heavyweight division. This is back when he was at 168. Um, he keep talking about how his biggest dream is to go to the heavyweight and win a title there in the likes of what Roy Jones did. Again, this seems to be uh, the flirtation of him saying, if I make a comeback, it would be against Anthony Joshua. Now seeing that Anthony Joshua's got a solidified deal to face Tyson Fury. Amilcar, guys, what do you guys think about this? Is this this all fluff talk here? Or do you think Andre Ward could seriously make a comeback? And... uh, What's what do you guys? I mean, how do you how do you guys see him trying to come back as a heavyweight? Uh, 
<laughs> you know what I think is, speaks loudest to me about this? That he sees Canelo Alvarez as a tougher fight than Anthony Joshua. And I got to agree with him. <laughs> yeah. I got to agree with him. Yes, there's a chance of getting knocked out, but I think if, you, if you're if you Andre Ward and you look at that fight, you're saying to yourself, look, this dude's bigger than me, but he's a lot slower. I could see his punches coming. You know, I can move out of the way. I'll get in the clinches with him. Motherfucker doesn't even like the box on the inside anyways. So, you know, let me let me slip shots, counter quickly, move them around. It's going to be an easier fight for me than and Alvarez was going to get in that ass. That's right. what, I, what I hear when I see him pick pick Joshua over, over Canelo. What do you think, Dave? I mean, I you know, I think the fact that Canelo is, has evolved so much and looks so far much comfortable at 168, um, looks strong, his reflexes are there. He's definitely in his prime. He's a completely different fighter uh, from the kid that fought Floyd Mayweather. You know, uh, you know, which was what, like, I don't know, what was it, like six, seven, maybe even longer? I may be off on the years, you know? Um, Ward is, is a puzzle to be mastered, you know? I still think that Canelo would have a lot of trouble with Andre Ward because, see, Andre Ward, to me, is still very preserved. It was really kind of weird when he was talking about how his body was betraying him because I was like, what wars were you really in? But... You know, only you know your body, right? And obviously, he decided to step away from the sport at the time he did, which he was on top of the hill. Um, even if he wants to make the comeback, I, I don't know. I might be crazy, but I'd still probably pick him over Canelo. Uh, Anthony Joshua, I don't think I'd pick him over that, man, to tell you the truth. I think that that's all wrong for him. You know, Anthony Joshua is a, is a massive athletic specimenism and i don't think ward carries the potter power to keep him off the way andrew ruiz or any of the That's other heavyweights were able to keep him off if he gets touched by joshua it's it's lights out it's good night irene it's over all right but i guess he thinks that he won't get touched by joshua um hmm. i'll tell you what canelo's gonna touch him up real nice I'll tell you that. I think both of them touch him up pretty nice, you know. It depends. It just depends on who uh, and how well he can. Um, I, I think that Canelo's going to give him a lot more tricks in the bag, and I think maybe that's why he's saying I don't want Canelo because he would have to have to actually have to be more more uh, more of that ring rust is going to have to be shooken off before he gets in with uh, Canelo Alvarez because there's just so many different faces that he's going to end up. Uh, 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 going up against with Canelo Alvarez, you know, he's the counter puncher, you know, Canelo was known as a counter puncher, uh, now we've seen Canelo as a pressure fighter, and he's gotten a lot better as a pressure fighter, the head movement alone is going to cause a lot of problems for Andre Ward's jab, um, the counter punching, the speed of Canelo is going to obviously going to cause a little bit of Ward, but I think Ward is just intelligent enough to make these adjustments and to close that gap and, and frustrate Canelo Alvarez. But I could see why, like I said, go back. I could see why go after a guy that's going to show me so many different uh, faces of his style. And then I might have to be the top, uh, you know, at the top level of my career going back as a comeback. That makes no sense. Anthony Joshua, you know what you're going to get with him. You know, there's not really much to figure out about Anthony Joshua. You know, um, you could tire him out because he's going to throw his loads. He almost did that in his comeback fight. You know, so you know you could do that. And I think that Ward is, that's what Ward's seen. And I think also, too, Ward's height can also, uh, honestly cause a lot of problems for Anthony Joshua. 
in my opinion, you know, make Anthony Joshua start punching low. He can get down lower. And, you know, the one thing that 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 Andre Ward has always possessed and he's mastered is the jab to the solar plex and the sword jab. He's phenomenal with it. He's always been great with it. He was able to really hurt uh, 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 Kovala with it, you know, and he's he's been able to hurt a lot of his opponents with that, just the jab alone. So really interesting fight, man. But I would, if, if that fight, if, if he was supposed to make a comeback, I would probably lean a little bit more with the Anthony Joshua. I could see that maybe, but, you know, who knows? What do I know? Speaking of the uh, man we've just been talking about to a certain extent, Canelo, I know you wanted to talk briefly about him re-upping with the zone for two fights. The Yildrim fight followed by, I guess, what would be Billy Joe Saunders, right? Because he wants to unify the belts. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I was actually debating someone on the roundtable, leaving it a ring roundtable Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time on D-Styles channel, that I don't have a problem at all with this Canelo fight coming up with Yildrum. I really don't, David. The guy fought last month, and he's about to fight next month. I just don't see how you can complain about that, especially when uh, the, uh, the two other belt holders in the division didn't want to smoke. They didn't want to fight fight Canelo, right? No, uh, I think... didn't want the, the, the training camp wasn't long enough. I don't even remember what what uh, 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 Billy Joe's excuse was or, or reason was. So yeah, money. let him fight you. <laughs> oh yeah, the money, money. You know, I mean, look, I think there's the uh, double edged sword here for Canelo because you can make the argument of this. Okay, when he got in with Kellen Smith, did he take any damage? Did he did he did he get any cuts and bruise? Did he end up having did we end up getting an interview uh, from him the way we got it from Gennady Golovkin after he had finished off his fight with Danny Jacobs talking about soreness? We didn't get any of that. Um, nah. So I see that fans that were like, "You're I mean, you're gonna fight this guy next when you really weren't even touched against Callum Smith. Why not go after BJ Saunders if you're gonna do this fight two fight deal?" Well. The only logic I can have with this is that I agree with you. I don't have a problem with it, um, but I do have a problem with it. I would have liked to see him go immediately after, you know, uh, 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 B.J. Saunders or even Caleb Plant. But those two weren't willing to play, roll the dice with them, you know, and they, they needed the time. So, but here's another thing we have to take into consideration. Canelo signed with the zone, was promised a certain X amount of money, didn't receive it. So Canelo and his team had to figure out another way, another route of getting some money to kind of, you know, uh, you know, compensate what they lost. So that two fight deal, taking the mandatory, why not? I'm going to get paid good for it. They're willing to sign me in a two fight deal. I'm a free agent. This is what free agents do. We don't make large commitments. I made a short commitment. I'm fighting twice this year. Then I move on and hopefully make a deal with PBC or, or where else at. Okay. Top rank. Whoever wants to, you know, uh, be part of the Canelo sweepstake. You know, but again, I do understand the fans that are hollering and pounding the table going, why this mandatory fight? This mandatory fight that makes no sense. This is a pick em fight. This is a bullshit fight. I want to see you fight the best. I'm with you on that one. But at the same time, I think that, again, like you just mentioned right now, uh, Emil, is, is the other guys didn't, weren't willing to join, join him in the dance floor. So what are you supposed to do? You got to stay busy. The guy was almost out for a whole year. Yeah. A whole Look, year. 
But if your argument I, is that he took no damage, he took no, he took no, you know, his performance all off of Callum Smith shouldn't have prevented him to fighting one of the elite guys. I agree with you on that. But at the same, in the same breath, were those guys willing to get in with them next month? Look, Canelo unfortunately always has his haters, and even when he's doing right, he's accused of doing wrong. Look. Billy Joe ain't going to be ready in, fe in February to fight him. And Callum Smith is tied up with a, with a, with a fight with, with Caleb Truex. Sorry, Caleb Truex is, is going to be fighting um, Caleb Plant, who's tied up with him. Right. The same guys that are complaining about Canelo fighting Yildrum are not complaining about Caleb Plant fighting Caleb Truex. And I'm sorry to say this for everybody who has a U.S. bias and a U.S. focus. Yildrum is not a bad fighter. Number no, one. Two, Yildrim is not a worse fighter than Caleb Truax. Sorry to tell that to you, but he's not. You, you, wait okay. a minute. Are you telling me he's not a, he's not a Rick Rose? No. Steve Rose, he's I not, mean? <laughs> he's, not a Steve Rose. he's nowhere near a Steve Rose. This is a, this is a guy who every fight he's been in has been a competitive fight. And I honestly feel that he was on his way, okay, uh, to winning his last fight. But it was stopped on cuts. For those of you who didn't see it, go look at the fight. Look, I don't have a problem with this fight. Canelo has to stay active. That's his prerogative. I agree with it. Mm -hmm. And his next fight is going to be against Saunders because Saunders is going to have a bigger window to train, which is, I guess, what he wants. And it's probably going to get some more, some more money, too. But right. the criticism is totally unwarranted, 100% unwarranted. And... You know, the guy I was speaking to was like, oh, you know, uh, I, I said Callum Smith is a top-tier 168-pounder. Uh, he's like, he's not. Well, I don't know how he isn't. The guy was World Boxing Super Series champ. He's got to be right. in everyone's top three in the division. Canelo just dominated him. And I'm sorry, uh, Jermel Charlo, okay, is not a more difficult fight than Callum Smith. Sorry for people who think that, but... Like, what tells you that Charlo is more difficult than Smith? Matter of fact, I mean, Charlo's a 160. Who's to say he's an even bigger challenge for Canelo than than, than Yildirim, who's a natural 168-pounder? I, I, I like Charlo a lot, but he has not shown me that he he's really a threat to Canelo at this point. Am I way off on this, David? <clears throat> um. I think it's for me. It's the unknown, you know. Um, if if they if they were to fight, I would have to pick Canelo. I think the experience is a is a big factor, you know. But I, I don't think you're way off. No, I mean there's nothing there that tells me off the bat that Charlo um, has a it's a fifty fifty fight. You know what I mean? I, I just don't see that. You know, I think what everybody's weighing on is the power, the athleticism of Charlo. I think that he brings that uh, to the table, but he's also fighting somebody that's very athletic, you know, but also has one of the best chins in the game. So if, if all you could contribute in the fight is a big punch, so you're getting a lot more to beat Canelo with that, unfortunately. And Gennady Golovkin proved that. You can't yeah. just beat him off a big punch. You know, Gennady made these fights very close by having very sound boxing skills. I, I don't think Charlo has those sound skills. I'm not to say he can't reach that yet, 
And not to say he cannot win a fight, but at what division? Is it going to be 160 or 168? I don't see him. I, 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 again, it would be going into like entering new, uh, it is new territory for Charlo. I mean, 160, I think he has a bigger chance of beating Canelo, but at 168, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it even seems uh, even more. We got breaking news uh, developing out of IG and Twitter, my man. Jermel Charlo said on IG, nah, Fury didn't cheat. He just beat Wilder's ass. Uh, apparently, people are having a little bit of a problem with Mr. Charlo saying that, but I got to agree with Mr. Charlo, man. I got to agree with him. He did uh, uh, beat his ass 100%. Yeah. Yeah, he did. You know, there's no argument. I don't know what the argument is about that to still, even know, uh, to this day. To this day, I don't get it. <laughs> to this day, look, I, I said to the to the to the homies that sent it to me. I said, look, real recognize real, but it also recognized fake, right? Those were some real fake right. motherfucking excuses about the loss to Wild to, to Fury. They, they were just like no real person is going to look at that and have a different opinion than what Charlo said. Sorry. So I want to see what all these channels of the Glovegate conspiracy channels and everything else are, what what they're going to say about this. Well, let me ask you, are you excited mm. about Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury now that they have inked on the contract? I mean, they did, right? They did ink this already. Woo. This is moving I'm forward, ex- right? I'm excited, my man. I'm excited. You know, my, my prediction as of now, you could put me on the record. You could write it down. Okay, you got get a little pen out. Okay, I'm, got, I'm getting it right now. I'm getting it. Go ahead. Right write it down, man. All right. I'm putting a reminder on my phone. Good. Fury and six. Fury and six? Fury and six. I said it. Wow. That is a bold prediction there. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. But say it again. But wait, wait. Go ahead. What's your pick? Fury in six rounds. <laughs> I got him by stoppage. <laughs> Right. Are, you 100? Are you 100 with that, that pick? 100%. I'm bringing back the 100%. 100%. Uh, not 100% about, about the six. But about the no, six. no, 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 no. Let's go with the 100% stoppage. Come on. Oh, look, look. Do not, do, don't, don't put the AJ in tippy-toe around the way he did against Andy Ruiz. Go straight forward to it, man. Is this the uh, stoppage at 600 or no? Um... 75% confident that he KOs him in the sixth, and I'm 100% confident that he KOs him. G Funky puts out there, let's see if the new media will go at Charlo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. How could you go Charlo, with that? Charlo's a real one, man. Remember you sent yeah. me the tweet where he's, like, saying that fighters need a union, like, right yes. around the time we were talking about it. Yes. I respect Charlo. You know, I, I you know I've always I called the twins the uh, amigos of boxing, you know, because the way mm-hmm. they dress and everything like that. But you know, when they do interviews, man, they they you know they obviously they know what they're talking about. I mean, they say some things that are kind of out of left field that you kind of have to scratch your head, like eh, I wouldn't have said that. But you know, overall, I mean, I see a lot of hunger in these kids, you know, and. I think their determination is where, obviously, that's where it, it's got them where they're at, you know. Um, 
you know, but I think that also they like when they call look when they called each other out, when you had one brother go, my brother didn't fucking go with the Canelo fight. He wanted more money, did it? Bro, that told me everything. Uh, these guys don't hold back. They're going to tell you what's on their mind, okay? And sometimes that's a good uh, uh, trait about you. Sometimes it's a bad one. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. No pod put out there. I think uh, I think most people feel that Charlo has a 20% chance versus Canelo, or in any put, maybe 30%. Um, I, I couldn't do good, disagree with that there. I couldn't at all. You know, I, I, you know what? Power is everything. And even though Canelo has shown he has the the best chin in boxing, the granite chin in boxing, well, one of them, um, who's to say that that getting clipped as many times as he has, I mean, it tends to chip away. Julio Cesar Chavez was known to take huge shots and able to eat him up. But then what happened? He met a guy by the name of Frankie the Surgeon Randall. And he was yeah. dropped. You know, so it's never, it's never, it's impossible, especially in boxing. Like, we got to get over this whole, like, well, I don't want to see that fight because this dude will kick his ass and blah, blah, blah. It's, it, I mean, that's why we tune in. I mean, remember this. You had a video earlier today about Andy Ruiz's victory over Anthony Joshua. Bro, even, even David Tua got knocked down at one point. Yeah. I mean, if David Tua get knocked down, bro, anybody can get knocked down. Yeah, he was knocked down. He was knocked down um, in in a sparring session. You know. Mm -hmm. So I mean, look, it's 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 that's why we tune in because it's the unknown. We want to see it. You know, um, I, I want to see it. I want to see what happens. That's why you know the Lomachenko versus Lopez was such an, such an intriguing fight because. It was like, ooh, could he do it? Could he pull it off? Or is this just going to be another shout-out for Lomachenko? Is the Matrix going to go out there and show why he's the Matrix, why he's the standard of pound-for-pound pound, you know, status and stuff? And, and guess what? You know, uh, a lot of us got it wrong, and a lot of us didn't get it wrong, you know? I, you know, like G-Funky and D-Style, they stuck to their guns. They thought Telefimo Lopez was going to get the win, you know? Um, I mean, that's why we watch the fights. That's why I like to see these fights. That's why some of us are still here, you know, like scratching their heads like, what's up with Mikey Garcia? When, what are you going to do? Let me ask you, did that interview he did about Bob Arum, I, didn't, I haven't seen it. Did uh, did he look like he was finally like, you know, hanging hanging away from the, uh, you know, from the taco trucks or what, man? Because last time I saw him on the zone, well, I think it was on the zone. Oh, boy. He looked like he was like 210, 220. Mm. Really? Yeah, he looked big. You don't remember that? When he was on the zone and he was like talking, he was there interviewing him. I think it was the zone. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong about that, guys, in the chat room. I'm pretty sure it was on the zone. I mean, he looked really pudgy, bro. Mm. You know what I've been meaning to ask you, Dave? Because you'd know better than me, and maybe people in the chat can can help out too. What happened to Jose Benavides, man? Jose what Benavides happened? Jr.? Yeah, since the, since the fight with with Crawford, like he's gone totally AWOL. What happened to him? I don't know. That's a good question. You know what's funny? I don't know That's if you saw. I was I was a bit distracted because I was on my phone. I was actually looking for because I have Jose Senior's uh, number, and mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was supposed to talk to him a while back, and I was actually going to text him after the show. I'll ask him. You know, I'll ask him, man. Yeah, I always thought that there question. was. Funny with his knee that fight too because well, he was um, shot. Remember that on his leg. Yeah, yeah, he was wearing that brace the whole time, and he was clearly not mobile. And you probably remember as as will everyone here listening and on the chat. The dude has great reflexes, good boxer. 
but he had a bad leg that fight. Remember at the press conference? You know, uh, uh, Crawford really tried to nail him with a right hand, and he just moved out of the way. Right. You know, like a mongoose. I was very impressed by that. You know, I, I really liked Jose Benavides Jr. You know, I mean, when yeah. he got signed, uh, you know, um, see, yeah, I was on the zone. See, I was right about that. You know, so yeah, I know yeah. my memory has isn't that shot, you know. But uh, I, 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 we talked about this a few shows back about the fact that signing these guys at such a young age. Look, it gave uh, Gabe Flores from Stockton, California. Um, yeah. Sometimes, you know... I know everybody's rushing to to get the diamond in the rough and they want to be the guy, the promoter to polish this kid and build him into a big superstar, especially boxing for the past 20 years has been on a hurry come up. You remember Lennox Lewis saying that about Michael Grant? He's a hurry come up because they hurry him up and then he's hurried back down after he knocked out Michael Grant. It, it looks like we've been kind of stuck with that, that mentality you know and jose benavides jr was very talented i mean he was dude he was talked up and hyped up so much from you know freddie roach and the wild card he was going in i mean this guy was sparring pacquiao you name it so many great fighters out of the wild card gym but he never he never blossomed to the guy that they thought he was going to be just had a lot of problems a lot of things were in the way i think it has a lot to do with youth you know, has a lot of stuff that 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 really, you know, not coming of age yet in the sport. You know, there's a such thing as a maturity in this sport. Some guys can grasp it a lot faster and easier, and some guys can. Yeah, Jesus is mentioning Jose was dragging his left foot versus Crawford. He absolutely was. I mean, he clearly wasn't a hundred percent for that fight. But I'm sure he got paid well, so he went through with it. Oh, he got paid very. Uh, very well, you know. Um, yeah. They weren't looking. Remember this: when Jose Benavides got signed, so did uh, Frankie Gomez. And at that time, Golden Boy uh, had Richard Schaefer was uh, trying to make a statement. You know, who had, who could give the bigger purse, the bigger money to these two young up and coming kids that were age seven? They were both seventeen. You know, and <clears throat> when that happened, I didn't really look at it like that, but. Now I get I take a step back and I'm like these guys were actually trying to trying to show who had the bigger fucking cojones between the two as promoters, you know, because there was a there was a lot of friction between Golden Boy and Top Rank at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now Shoe Shine Box, what's up brother? You know, uh Gabe is going sorry. Gabe is being brought up too slow and careful for my taste. Uh Gabe Flores, I think I think he's being brought up too quick. Honestly, I think that the kid still hasn't um, grew into his man uh, strength or any of that. You know, I mean, seeing his last before, last couple of fights, I, I just don't see... I, I don't see him actually making a dent or, or, or being a threat to any, any of the top 15 at the moment or top 10, to tell you the truth. I think they need to pump the brakes a little bit with them. What's still... I, honestly... At his age, how old is the kid now? What is he like? What, 19 maybe? What is the rush with him? If what you're seeing out of him right now, in my opinion, I, I would be like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. There's a lot of talent with Gabe Flores, in my opinion. W what is the rush of trying to get him out there? Uh, uh, you know, to get him to that point. Look at all these other guys that uh, become titleists, okay? Uh, looking like Devin Haney. 
look at the backlash. Uh, you know, uh, what are the champions right now that have a title? Look at the backlash that they're getting from the fans right now that you got a title, but you're fighting nobody. We talked about this. Sometimes titles, having a title causes a lot of confusion, okay? Just because you well, have a title doesn't mean you're completely ready for the top three. It's because you're once you're calling yourself a world champion and holding a belt, like people expect you to fight the best and expect you to fight the other champions. But yeah, he's only 20 years old, so um, I mean, they should bring him along appropriately. I mean, his next fight is against uh, Jason Velez. Um, we'll see how that goes. I think that's kind of a good, good benchmark for him. That's, that sounds about appropriate to me. Yeah, you know. Um... Yeah, again, again, um, again, you know, we go about Jose Benavides. He did get shot in the leg. He had a lot of outside problems, you know. Um, I mean, you could see it, obviously, what happened with David Benavides, you know, the whole cocaine thing, uh, issue, you know. So uh, no family's perfect, <laughs> okay? Um, no, you know what? They're a family of great fighters, man. Yes, guys, great, great talent. Great, mm -hmm. great talent, great talent. And uh, their father should be proud. He's got to get these guys back in the ring, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it makes you wonder if they would get somebody to... Who was the name of that girl that did an interview on the Zone that told uh, um, Ryan Garcia's dad he had great sperm? <laughs> oh, wow. I think it was Katie Abdo, right? Uh, yeah. To be sure. Maybe she looked... I, I shouldn't say it. We're professional here at the end of the oh, day. At the, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure we are. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into this weekend's uh, fight schedule. A lot of fights have been canceled. Uh, Kovala, obviously, uh, failing a drug test. And uh, so the fight was called off. It was supposed to be on the zone. That no longer Can you get your opinion about that now, David? Because you're a little bit shy to talk about it before the B sample came through. Can you finally speak your mind? You know what? Um, what's really to speak on? I mean, shame on you, boxing. Again, you know this guy's come with a lot of problems. You know, he's uh, he's got a what? I, I don't know if his lawsuit is finished about the assault on a woman. You know, he's got a bad track record. You know, as much as I like the crush, the crusher in the beginning. You know, um, and again, we go back to a lot of these personalities in boxing. They come from 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 very bad parts areas. They're fighting to get out. It doesn't mean just because they fought to get out of there, it doesn't mean that they leave those habits behind. You know, um, we can't forget they're also human. But because of that, should we be so forgivable? Should we not have standards in boxing? Should we not put them to a standard? You know, so, you know, Kovala, it's no surprise. I don't think you're surprised that he decided he's going to try to cheat or do whatever he can. Look at his last performance against, you know, Canelo Alvarez. Um... I thought there's strong possibility overtrained or now it's now, I believe it's his body just doesn't respond anymore. He doesn't have it in him. So what did he do? Like most guys, Sugar Shane Mosley. Remember yeah. after losing hey, to Viagra. That's what they're doing. Yeah. He's not responding. You got to do what you got to do, bro. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But look, Sugar Shane Mosley was, again, we're talking about, he was put on the standard of, Golden uh, pound for pound, but what did he do later after losing? He 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 wanted to stay in that aura, so he decided to put supplements in his body that were not legal. 
So it's not it's not far fetched that fighters are going to try to do whatever they can to reach the pinnacle they once were at. And I think that's where Kovalev's at. And Kovalev don't give a shit about it as 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 much as a lot of these fighters don't. You know, look at Baby Miller. The guy had a pharmacy in his body. The first time. We're not talking about the second time. The first time. And boxing gave him. Yeah, boxing gave him a slap in the hand and said, "Don't do it again. Don't do it again." I mean, yeah. BJ, BJ Saunders' track record. He's going to get a big payday. There we go again. Where is the standards in our sport? So it's not a fighter's problem. It's a we problem. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I'm going to watch the fight this weekend, but I'm not really excited about Plant and Truex or no? Tracks. Really? No. I am. I mean, look, I'm going to watch it, but uh, am I excited? No. I'm, I mean, I, look, it, it, let me let me put it to you this way. It's like if you're uh, a basketball fan and, like, you know, you respect another two teams that are playing, but you don't really like them that much, and you just watch the game because you like basketball. Mm-hmm. I actually like Caleb Plant and his style. I just don't think he's being tested. That's really where I where I come from. I mean, do you think this is a legit test? I think it is because it's one of the best names on his resume at the moment. You know, um, you know, begging butts. <laughs> I mean, Champ Ross, really quick before I even answer your question, the car. He says, "Is the donkey yeah, yeah. is card still on on Friday?" Yeah, it is. It it actually it is still on. Yeah, that's the one I'm actually more looking forward to, the Trevor Bryant uh uh Manuel Char fight. Yes. Yeah, when's Daniel's that coming on? That's on Friday on the 29th. That's for the heavyweight title, baby. That's for yeah. the WBC heavyweight title. Yes. You know the regular fight. So going <laughs> going back to what you were asking, you know, you yeah. know I think uh, Caleb track uh, track is a is a workhorse, you know. I I I think he could give him some problems. I think that if he comes forward and and doesn't give any f's about, um, <laughs> like no more talk, no more plant talk. Um, look, man, <laughs> I think like, if if, if Truax true <laughs> goes out there and is in shape and is focused. I think he give Plant a lot of problems. Could he beat Plant? I don't. I don't see that. But I think that he can make it a good fight. Um, I think he could, you know, drag Plant into the deep waters a bit. I don't think he could drown him, but I think he could drag him in a bit. Okay. But it's really up to Truax. What form is he going to come on Saturday night? Because Plant's got fast hands. Plant can move. And Plant's not the most engaging guy. You have to make Plant engage. And that's where Truax is going to have to see, does he have the legs to cut off the ring? Does he have the the endurance? Does he have the motivation? I mean, I think the motivation is there, you know? I think that he had the taste of being a champion. He wants to do it again. But I don't know if he has the other things to, to, to contribute, what I was mentioning earlier, to get it upset over Caleb Plant. I just don't see that. Yeah, I don't I don't see it either. A-Rod and said I think a lot of people 
I think a lot of people see it. And um, I think that's really why I said I'm not too excited about the fight day. Uh, A-Rod said, I'm going to take my kids out to the park and have fun. I'll catch a rerun on YouTube. Plant vs. Uh, Truax is dumpster juice. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. If two monkeys are walking to the ring and have like theme music and are being announced by a ring announcer, I'll fucking watch it. So... <laughs> I'm speaking the wrong. that you put you put mitts on monkeys, right? And each give them theme music. Walk into the ring and the fight. Sign me up for that fight. Uh, Outlaw put Plan is a world champion, and he has fought three straight tune-up fights. What other champions done that? Apparently, Canelo. By what some people say, yeah, the standards. You know, yeah. Not too excited about that, huh? We had a question about Brandon Lee in the chat. Yes, Brandon Lee is at 140. Dave, the good from Brandon Lee. I know uh, you're close to his team. What's the word on Brandon Lee these days? I haven't talked to them, to tell you the truth. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I definitely could reach out to them and find out. You know, A lot but of I, talent would like to see the kid get tested. What was that? I said he's got a lot of talent. I'd just like to see the kid get tested. Yeah, I mean, the last fight he had wasn't really a major test, I don't think. Um, he That's just how strong he is, you know? Um, yeah. You know, um, when he came out in that first round, I liked the fact that his dad told him, you need to relax, like, slow it down a little bit, you know? Uh, don't go for the gusco every single time out, you know? And uh, Yeah. But no, I think the talent is there. Um, Jesus says, I'd rather watch amateur fights, referring about the Caleb Plant fight happening this Saturday on PBC. Man, you guys are you guys are hating on this guy. Caleb Plant. Jesus. One of them was a sandwich maker and Mike Lee pick, picked him up the competition, man. Uh, so true. And remember this, Mike Lee was pumped up by Top Rank. Remember that? He was a Northern Dame kid, graduate, you know, and uh uh, I think it turned out that that Mike Lee was lying about a lot of stuff, though. If I'm if I'm not, if I'm not wrong about that, yeah, it's like it looks like he fought Mike Lee. You know, he fought uh, Figgin Buns. I mean, Canelo's definitely ducking the dude. I mean, he's I totally like, ducking the guy. I like what Puerto Rican Rum just said, and I'm with you on that, Puerto Rican. The only reason I'm going to watch it is because I want boxing on TV network. To get decent ratings so that more networks invest. Mm. That, I like that. We used to have a caller uh, that called in before. This is when the pandemic didn't hit and all the venues were open. And this guy, this kid would go literally fly to every fight. I don't know. I can't remember his name, man. I'm sorry. Um, maybe you remember him, Mokar. Uh, he used to call into the next round, call into leaving the ring. Um he actually I think, moved his, I, think his name, I think his name's Nestor Gibbs, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> Didn't he no. used to call in to leave it in the ring? Oh, he used to call in even the ring. Yeah, he used to call in. Uh, no, not Nestor Gibbs. No, this other kid, uh, a likable kid. Let's just put it that way. Um, and uh, <laughs> he, he would even go to the shittiest cards, but he would say the same thing. Look, I support the fighters. I got to support the sport. And by doing that, I go to the events. And I'm like, kudos to that, man. That's a great way of... Uh, 
of uh, of looking at it. Uh, Mike Lee was lying. Go figure. Yeah, right, Jeff. I, I, Jeff Ross. I, I thought I thought that's what was a big story, if I remember correctly, that he was lying about the whole Notre Dame thing and a bunch of other stuff that he was trying to line himself up, and then it turned out to be it wasn't even it wasn't even true. What a fucking straight mentiroso. <laughs> he said, Abrod said to uh, Puerto Rican, uh, okay, I'll leave the TV on while I'm gone for the ratings. <laughs> That's a great move right there, man. <laughs> All right, but really quick, what's your pick for Caleb Plant? I know we're, been, we're, uh, we're bagging on him pretty hard here. I have Caleb Plant winning the fight, uh, using the jab, boxing by from the outside, doing what he usually does, tight defense. Uh, not overcommittal to anything. And if he does uh, hurt uh, Trax, is it Tro? True, Truax? Truax? I think it's Truax. Truax. I think Truax, Fred yeah. is Tro, but it's pronounced Truax. But no, nonetheless. Truax, uh, Truax, Truax. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, see, I see him um, cautiously seeking a knockout if he does get him hurt. Mm, I don't think he knocks him out. No, I, I I don't think he will either. Yeah. I said if he cautiously seeking yeah. it, yeah. I just see him boxing. I just see him boxing behind the jab, to be honest, and doing his usual thing. Yeah, that's what I see too. You know what? There's just too much money on down the line for uh, Caleb Plant. If he doesn't get Canelo, I think that's what they're aiming for. Hopefully, is getting that Canelo fight. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You know, um, I'm hoping we don't hear the excuse of another. I need six months to a year. Actually, I need 12 years to to get prepared for Canelo. Excuse. Um, if not, ben, uh, David Benavides, I hope he gets that shot. You know, um, that's the fight I think a lot of us want to see. I mean, that's what just put. Plant versus Benavides could be a very big fight one day. Problem is that the division is very shallow, so they can't build that fight with good opponents for them to prove go themselves. Through. Go yeah. through it. I agree. Yeah, I agree with it. I agree. I, yeah, definitely. You know, just let your Essel's a, a, a player on the Michigan Wolverines, man. Senior guard, just say. Sorry to blow up your spot, boy, but I, I love I love my my Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, you know, yeah. So yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that assessment all the way. You know, and that's why I think that Plant. Sure. I mean, the way they're pushing him as being the next star, he's got to do something more than just the advertisements. I mean, because obviously his promotional company, PBC, believe in him. They really do believe in him. I mean, I, 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 I've talked to his PR, who I've known for years, man. I'm talking way back before the whole boxing, uh, covering boxing duel, before he got into getting involved with Robert Ghost Guerrero. Mario was like, really, like, dude, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be something big, something special. Um, so if that's the case, then he needs to start stepping it up and get these better fights. And I think the first step would be David Benavides. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one, man. Would be a good one. The bad blood is there. The bad blood is definitely there, like Abot just put oh, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, the bad blood is there. That's that's true. Yeah, that's Raider, definitely. LA boxing, get my soul, brother. Long time. Well, long time for us, huh? Keep missing every other week here. You know, um, Amilcar was on vacation last week. That's why we weren't on. He was out there shaking his ass and stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so. So, so that's it, man. Um, I think that's it. I think we pretty much covered everything here on leaving the ring here, Milkar. Unless you got something else to add uh, to the show or 
if there's something no, else I, that I, needs to be covered. I think, I think we're good. The only thing I'll add is uh, check out my latest uh, Live at Five on my channel. It's uh, Maestro A, M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A. I put up a, a, sh a little upload. Or actually, it was a live stream before this show, just talking a lot about our guest. Um, and I've got a question for all of you guys, man, which I asked there, too, which was, where were you? January, sorry, June the 1st, 2019. If you remember that night, it's the night that Andy Ruiz Jr. shocked the fucking world and knocked out Anthony Joshua. It, it changed the heavyweight landscape. I mean, we're still dealing with like the aftermath of that. No more undisputed fight between Wilder and Fury. I'm oh, sorry, Wilder and Joshua, right? Um, Everything's turned to shit, really, since then for these fighters because he totally disrupted everything. Don't forget uh, uh, the, the WBC ranking with even with Dillian White changed totally because White ended up fighting um, Povetkin, and we see him lost his ranking, right? Yeah. Um, Ruiz, the belt, he ended up rematching in Saudi Arabia. Fury ended up taking on Wilder in a rematch, beat up Wilder. Like, everything's changed since then. It was, it was simple. It was... Uh, uh, Joshua and uh, Wilder, and then it was not simple once Andy Ruiz shocked the world. But just wish he could have trained, man, and been a little bit more prepared for that rematch because I literally, literally think he he would have got it, man. Had he been ready, he would he would have been beating the AJ that showed up, the scared kind of tepid, kind of timid AJ that we saw show up in Saudi Arabia, man. But uh, that the end we needed could have, but did it? Did it, man? So didn't do it. That's my question. Where were you June the first, twenty nineteen? And I kind of relived that day a little bit, and also spoke about our man, friend of the show now, Aleem, man, the uh, the beast at one twenty two. Check that out. That should be up uh, pretty soon in the audio on the rotation of Leaving the Ring, so you can catch it up on it on uh, Pandora. Uh, no ball put. I was at my uncle's house watching with the familia, the family there, uh, on that night. And then um, Abrod said I was drinking, drinking it up. I didn't think Andy would get the upset. Uh, you weren't alone, bro. Neither did I. And then Raiders LA boxing. I was at I was at my house watching the fight. What a good day that was. Oh yeah. I was right here. In the, in the Leaving the Ring Boxing Lab. That's This is where I was at. And you know what? Uh, I think it was the first time that my neighbors realized that I was a boxing fan because I lost my voice that that day, man, from yelling and screaming. Uh, oh, dude, uh, 15 minutes before we were going to go live, the, I remember I told you, the, remember I was telling them, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that third round was, was epic. But I was saying, like, the uh, my neighbors were like standing outside. That's how loud I was screaming. And it's like uh, earlier, 15 minutes before I was going to go on. Remember, I was telling you there was an accident that happened in front mm -hmm. of my house. That's why I went outside. Mm -hmm. Somebody ran into the fire hydrant right here in the corner of my house, and all the neighbors yeah. was out. It was like a, I reminisced. I was like, oh, I remember this. Everybody came out when they heard me screaming and yelling and shit. You know, when Andy Ruiz got the stoppage over over Anthony Joshua. Yeah. So uh, I relive that with us. Uh, it's up there. It's going to be on Leaving in the Ring. And also, if you're interested in checking out that uh, racism and LDBC 
uh, stream that I did. You guys could check that out too. Um, that's up there as well. And it's already getting the hate mail on the leave it in the ring Gmail account, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, touchy, touchy, you know, touchy subject, of course, you know, but yeah. I don't think we did, we didn't, um, <clears throat> I don't think we uh, said anything that would offend or upset anybody. We just spoke truth about the racism in boxing and how it's right. kind of being used as a weapon to push an agenda that shouldn't really be pushed, you know? Exactly. That's and, exactly it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, no pod pull it. You guys remember the famous watch this <laughs> on that fight yeah. between Andy Ruiz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Anthony Josh was one of the best finishers. Watch this. And then he gets clipped and hurt and dropped. You're absolutely right, no pod. Again, guys, hey, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you guys back next week. Don't forget tomorrow's uh, Hispanics Causing Panic with D-Style G-Funky. They got some great guests lined up. Those guys have been bringing it. Um, definitely have been the heavyweights of the YouTube community, bringing all these great guests on and interviews. And then you got the roundtable, which happens on Thursday night. Uh, as well, they've got, you know, that roundtable has been bringing in a lot of great topics, man. Um, you know, uh, I wish I had more hours in the day, bro, to tell you the truth. Now we got yours five live at five, you know, um, yeah. to tune in and stuff. You know, it's just so difficult to try to keep up with everything. And it's an overload, but it's it's phenomenal. If you have a boxing fix and you need that fix, you got to you got to tune into the leaving ring rotation, which is on Seriously. Pandora. And you'll catch up with everything. You got the ringside reporter on there. They're dropping yeah. they drop their audio with us on Mondays. Mondays. Yep. Yes. You got ringside reporter Sundays. You got this flagship show on Mondays. You've got me Monday, Wednesday, Fridays now at 5 p.m. Tune in live if you can. You know, I'll let you jump on in the video. Call in if you want to. I'll obviously invite everyone to chat. You got Hispanics causing panic Tuesdays. I believe we got Hispanics causing panic centered Wednesdays. Wednesdays. And we got the bro. On Thursdays, it's a full week here on Leave It in the Ring. Yeah. And then on Sundays, you got Ringside Reporters, you know, at yep. the Ringside Reporter uh, YouTube uh, live channel and stuff. So, you know, um, great stuff here on Leave It Ring. We're, you know, uh, uh, we got a lot of other things too that we're trying to bring back uh, that we have, uh, which was the Stack Up Show. But around the ring, I'm still working on it. I'm just, I'm still developing it. I'm still trying to get that all together, guys, as well as run it back, which is would be a really great series that I want to do. So a lot of stuff. Again, you guys make it the best, man. Um, just starting off the whole year. All my brothers from Leaving Ring, down the line, Hispanic Causing Panic, Ringside Reporters, to Raw Boxing TV. If I miss any, uh, uh, Shoe Shine uh, Podcasts. Everybody that's involved in boxing, you guys make the beginning of 2001 the best. Amilcar, I'll talk to you soon, brother. Talk to you soon, mi hermano. You take care. Take care, Ladies all the... Oh, that was a good show, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballero.